I want you to open your Bible at John chapter 13. We've been speaking, I shared a message a little while ago, and we're doing a little series on following Jesus. I still feel that that's what God is speaking about. Following Jesus, listening to Him, we talked about hearing His voice. Everyone is following something. We're either following Jesus or we're following something else or someone else. The challenge of our life is to follow Jesus and to finish our course passionately following Him and following His leadership. Jesus said, if you follow me, I will make you to become a fisher of men. So we get the picture straight away. If you are followers of Jesus, you will be vitally interested in people. It just goes hand in hand. But I want to uh, speak today and just share a message on the evidence of your discipleship. There's probably a lot of things that give evidence we're disciples of Jesus, but there's one that he actually makes unmistakable. And I want to get this right out there so we could put a checklist. Am I a disciple of Jesus? Huh? Am I a disciple of Jesus? How many would say, yes, I am? Okay, then. Well, let's have a look and see how we go when we look at Jesus said what it meant to be a disciple of him. So we look in, uh, in uh, John chapter 13. And in verse 34, verse 35, he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. In the same way I have loved you, you love one another. By this will all know you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. So Jesus clearly unmistakably identifies the evidence you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now notice some of the things it is not. He does not say anointing and authority indicates you're a disciple. Because you can have a gift and be totally disconnected from Jesus. Just operating in faith. He does not say that position or title means that you are a disciple of Jesus. You can be a pastor and still not be a disciple of Jesus. Think about it. He does not say that healings and miracles following you indicate you're a disciple of Jesus. Because he said to those in Matthew 7, we did signs and wonders in your name. He said, I never knew you. Uh, it does not mean that if I'm being blessed and prospering, that I'm a disciple of Jesus. Because there are people in many countries suffering, enduring hardship, learning, losing their lives. They are not being blessed as we would measure it in terms of finances and external things. Uh, it does not mean Bible study and prayer. So you can be studying your Bible and praying and still not be a disciple of Jesus. Uh, it does not mean spiritual experiences, visions or angelic encounters. You can be having all of those and still not be a disciple of Jesus. You're just having experiences. Wonderful experiences, but I remember in revival, some of the people who had the most powerful experiences, I remember two of them at least, ended up in jail because of the terrible things in their life. They were not followers of Jesus. They enjoyed experiences with him, but were not followers of him. They were not his disciples. So, we look at all of those. So how can you tell? Here it is. It's so clear. This is how you know. There's only one way to know. That you love one another. It's really quite simple, isn't it? That you love. So in other words, how we relate to the person next to you and others in the body of Christ and how we treat them, that's how you know if you're a disciple or not. You can call yourself a Christian, but in the Bible, the term Christian was reserved for disciples. We've kind of got this loose thing now. But you see, Jesus made it very clear, it's actually the one thing that speaks more than anything is this. It's the quality of the relationships and the way we treat one another 
This is where the evidence of discipleship is seen. Because sin fractured relationship with God, relationship with one another, the evidence of the work of Christ in our life redeeming us is in our relationships and treatment of one another. To give you last week, we had a message, a very powerful message on unity, but it's on how you grieve the Holy Spirit, or we can stop Him moving totally and become anti the Holy Spirit, not through our worship necessarily or our Bible studies or meetings, but by how we treat one another. Okay, so let's move on. Notice it says one another. Now he's talking about fellow followers of Christ, he's not talking about the world now. He's saying the way. Believers treat one another is the evidence of whether they're a follower of Christ or not. Isn't that amazing? Treat one another. Jesus uh, spoke to Paul in Acts 9 and verse uh, 4 and 5. He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now what we tend to do is this. We separate Jesus from his church. And we say, it's okay to love Jesus, but I can treat people like I like. It doesn't work that way. Jesus said, when Paul, when Paul was persecuting the church, he said, you are persecuting me. Can't get it clearer. So think about this. You can love on Jesus on a Sunday, but if you're horrible to a believer on Monday, you're not a follower of Christ. There's a shallowness to your walk with God. There's no overflow or evidence outwardly that Jesus is looking for. This is the fruit he's looking for. He's looking for changes in how we treat one another. Now, we're in John 13, so let's have a look at the key passage I want to go through. And I want to show you something about what loving one another might look like. Now, there's a whole heap of one another's in the Bible. I'm just going to look here at one particularly. And I want to look at the aspect of foot washing. Uh, love is incredibly practical. Love washes feet. Now, we're not going to get into bringing a bowl out and wash someone's feet. So don't worry about that. That's not going to happen. I'll tell you why in a moment. So John 13, verse 1, and it says, Before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew his hour to come, that he was depart from this world to the Father. Now notice this, having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now what he's going to do now is what love looks like. So watch what he does. And the supper began that the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So without any doubt, Simon is already, Judas Iscariot has already got betrayal in his heart. He's already got demonic seed in his heart. And then it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given everything into his hands, he'd come from the Father, was going to God. He was secure where he came from, where he was going to, and in his identity, he rose from the supper, laid aside his garments, took on a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water in a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, and wiped them with the towel that was, he was girded. And he came to Simon Peter, and Simon said, Lord, are you washing my feet? And he answered and said, what I'm doing, you don't understand now. You will know this afterwards. And Peter said to him, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him. He stood up to him. He said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And notice that's a very important statement. And then he goes on. He said, he who is bathed needs only wash his feet. He's completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. So she said, you're not all clean. And when he had washed his feet, their feet and taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, you know what I've done? He said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for that's what I am. But, he said, uh, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, then you also need to wash one another's feet. I have given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. So assuredly, I tell you this, the servant isn't more important or greater than his master. The one sent is not greater than the one who sent him. And so he said, if you know these things, 
You are blessed in the doing of it, not knowing it, doing it. It's in the doing that the blessing flows. So let's just pull the passage apart because there's some important things. Now the first thing you need to see is love does not focus on position or title or role or function. Love focuses instead on serving. It's the nature of the kingdom. That's what it says. It said, uh, notice there where the people were, they'd come in. And of course, they didn't have nice roads and cars like we have. Just have dusty roads and people walk with sandals. So they would come in. And the one part of everyone's body that got very, very dirty was the feet. The feet got dirty. So you could imagine what it's like. Any of you have had a day out there and you come back and take your shoes off and get a whiff of it, you know what dirty is like. Now they, they, I mean, they would walk and they had animals on the road. So they'd pick up all kinds of animal uh, Droppings, they would pick up dust and mud and grime and everything. They come in and their feet are dirty and messy. And so it was normally the custom that uh, there would be a bowl of water provided. People would wash their own feet or the lowest Gentile servant would come and wash their feet for them. Uh, and uh, so that was the normal custom. And uh, so you notice that this was the lowest job. Now, here's the interesting. Jesus had revealed his power and authority. See, up to this point, they've seen the miracles. People race in there. Oh, great. See, water changed the Oh, great. Oh, we've seen the, the bread multiply. Oh, that is fantastic. They've seen all kinds of miracles, all kinds of healings. What they haven't seen is the nature of the king. What moves it all? See, people see power and miracles and signs. Well, these are wonderful. I love them. But you've got to look past that and see what the core nature of the kingdom is. The power. The Bible doesn't say God is power. It says God is love. Power is how he expresses the love. But that's not the only way love is expressed. And so now Jesus does something that stuns them. He exposes the pride and the carnal way of thinking they had about positions and titles and so on. And what he does is he reveals to them, and this is what he washed their feet, he revealed the nature of the kingdom. The kingdom we're part of is a foot-washing kingdom. Now I'll get to what that means in just a moment. It's a foot-washing kingdom. He gave up heaven and came to earth and just served. Now he just takes off his clothing, his outer clothing, puts on a servant's clothing. He's the Lord, he's the master, he's the rabbi, he's the miracle worker, he's the one everyone comes to, yet he takes it all off and just goes and washes their feet. And this is a total challenge to thinking. Now you think about this. How could God come to earth and wash my feet? And Jesus said, the things I do are what I see the Father doing. How could it be that an amazing or powerful or mighty God would not only create the world, but when my life got into a mess, into sin, into all kinds of uncleanness and defilement, he would come and wash my feet. It defies belief. Because it's so contrary to the way we see authority and power and how we see it manifest in the earth. It is completely different. God is not interested. He has ranks and titles and so on. But that is not what the kingdom is about. It's about a nature of love that shows itself through serving and entering people's world where they're dirty and messy and doing something to help their world become a better place. It's not about literal foot washing. The foot washing part was of the culture of the day. It's not what we do today, but the foot washing 
that he was, he was trying to teach them something. He didn't say, do what I did. He said, do as I did. In other words, understand what is behind this, moving it, and then do that. Any idea? Okay, so number one, love focuses on serving, not on position and title. He wasn't concerned about that at all. Secondly, they get this one. This is a really good one. Love is not selective in its foot washing. It's a very big one. It's a very big one for the church. Love is not selective in the foot washing. Most of our foot washing, we're selective. I'll show you what I mean by it's not selective. Notice this. Position-minded people are incredibly selective in who they serve. So I will come and I will serve this person if it looks like serving them will get me ahead. I will come and I'll serve... No, I won't serve this person. I'll come and serve this person. Oh, that's a pastor. Now that might help me. That might help me get ahead. Or whatever, yeah. See? And so, so what happens is this, is people judge the value of others and whether serving them will help them get ahead and get me an advancement. I've seen it over and over and over and over and over again. People using their serving as a way to advance their own case and their own position. Literally, in other words, they're serving has got a self-centered agenda to get them ahead somewhere. And you'll find with people like that, that the moment you cease to get them ahead, they will stop serving you. Because the serving never came from love. It always came from, I want something from you. It was never love, it was trading. I give you, you give me something. And even if they never said you give me, there was always an expectation. Now notice this. When you look into the story, I read it clearly and tried to highlight as I was reading it. Did you notice that Jesus knew who would betray him? That he absolutely knew Judas had not only that he was a thief and he was stealing regularly and ripping the money off from him, but he had it in his heart right there at that point in time that he'd already consulted and he'd already had it in his heart to betray him. Now you ask, you ask yourself this. See, most serving is done to get someone somewhere, or it's because people deserve it. So if people, we may, we may not serve just to get ourselves somewhere, but usually we think we'll serve and do something nice if the person deserves it. If they deserve it, I'll do it. If they don't deserve it, I don't do it. Now, did Judas deserve what he got? He got God himself in the flesh, came and knelt at the foot of a betrayer and washed his feet knelt at the foot of a thief and washed his feet. How can you do that? I mean, sometimes people do the slightest little thing and we get so tiffed off and so upset, we don't even want to know them anymore. Jesus was able to go to them and wash his feet, knowing there's betrayal in his heart. Not only that, he was able to take a piece of bread and dip it and put it in a, in a pot, dip it, and then give it to him as a sign of friendship, and give him another chance to come clean that there was treachery in his heart. When you look through the Bible, the Bible speaks about many, many sins, and of course people kind of got them all ranked, and there's many different ranks of sins. But the number one sin, that is the biggest sin of all in the Bible, is this, my opinion, 
And this is what it is. It is covenant breaking. Breaching covenantal relationship. That is the number one in God's eyes. You get away a lot of things. You don't get away with that. God is a covenant keeper, not a covenant breaker. Now this man, Judas, was in connection and relationship. It was a covenantal relationship. He breached it by stealing. He breached it because stealing and lying are together by lying. And then he breached it by finally selling Jesus out. Yet Jesus washed his feet. That's what love in the kingdom looks like. It still can go to people who are messed up and are doing things that are bad to you and show kindness to them. It still can serve people in spite of the fact that you see right through them and see what's going on in their life. Most of us, if we see something in a person, then avoid them or turn away from them. But Jesus came and washed their feet. He said, and notice what he's saying, this is the example I want you guys to get a hold of. This is what the church needs to get a hold of. Instead of looking at what's wrong in people's lives and seeing the things that are lacking and faults and then deciding whether they deserve this or deserve not, we should actually come to the conclusion, I love because that's who I am. That's what I've got out of my relationship with God. I'm a loving person. I'm a generous person. Never give because people just have a need or because I feel good. I always give because that's what I am. I'm a giver. It's who I am. Okay? So Jesus was not selective. See? So notice this. Can you serve a person knowing they've been speaking behind your back? Can you serve someone knowing that they've done something unkind to you? Okay? Think about it, eh? Can uh, you serve someone who's talking to your enemies? Can you? What stops you? Well, this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It's overcoming all that stuff and drawing from him. Now you'll see the significance of his next, his next uh, statements that he made. So Jesus was not selective and partial. He serves everyone. And this is the thing that church people get, get stuck with. We think that God's just nice to the nice people and he's, he's, he's judging and he's got a down on the bad people. Not at all. He loves every person and he does actually some wonderful things to people who don't even know him. Something we could learn from, isn't it? Eh? Okay, so loving service. When you love and uh, you love like this, you uncover pride. Notice what Jesus, uh, what Peter did. He said straight away, Peter, Lord, you're washing my feet. Stop it. You'll never wash my feet. So notice this, that pride, see, when, when Jesus went down and he knelt at, at Peter's feet and began to wash his feet, Peter's got two problems come up and they've all got pride around them. Number one, Jesus is throwing out his leadership paradigm. He's thinking leadership means power, position, high, up, up, up. And he's looking to get up, 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 up and higher with Jesus. Now Jesus is blowing it all out and he's taking the lowest role and he's washing his feet. He couldn't cope with it because it blew out his thinking of what it is to be great. And the second thing is, because of pride, he couldn't receive. Pride will stop us receiving others ministering to our needs. We would rather be independent, go it alone. Now, a lot of men know this one when it comes to asking for directions. See? No, no, I can find the way, I'll find the way. She knows you're lost and haven't got a clue but you still won't consult the map. That's just pride. Inability to actually admit there's a need and have someone minister to it. See, so that's what he did. And notice Jesus held his ground. So 
Pride, would love pride loves recognition of position and looking good before men. But you see, pride resists the uncovering of its dirty feet and having someone serve it. I wonder what your I wonder what part of your life is dirty. I wonder who's got dirty feet. There's some part of your life that's dirty, but you're resistant to opening it up to anyone to help you. That's tragic. It's as good as Peter say, no, 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 no. I do it myself. Leave it to me. No. Okay, here's the next thing. Okay. Love is actually revealed in the foot washing. Notice what Jesus said. He said there straight away. He said, notice the statement. If I don't wash you, you've got no part with me. Number one. Two, he said, you call me the teacher and the Lord, and that's well. But if I, your Lord, have washed your feet, you ought to do that to one another. I've set the example and the pace. So here's the first thing. Will you let Jesus wash your feet? Now, when we say Jesus washing your feet, you're not going to get a basin and come down. Uh, not that at all. Basically, will you let Jesus have access to the dirt in your life to bring cleansing? Now, it's impossible that we don't get dirty feet. You walk out of there, uh, you what, you'll just have the TV on, something will come up, you walk past, there's something advertised, and then someone gives you a bad mouth or a bad attitude, someone swears at Listen, you can't go through life without being dirtied. It just, that's how it is. Jesus said, you're already clean. You don't need everything else. Just need your feet. That's your walk. It's your day-to-day life. Now, most of us find we have experiences. You get hurt. You get disappointed. You get upset by people. You get let down by people. You have negative encounters with people. You have people with tough attitudes, negative attitudes, bad attitudes, and you pick up dirt. You can go out there. It's impossible not to be exposed to some sexual uncleanness. It's just there everywhere. So wherever we go, we get our feet dirty. And Jesus is saying this. He said, if you won't let me wash you, wash your feet. You can't be part with me. Now, he's not saying you can't get to heaven. He's talking about the fruit that comes out of being a follower of Christ. Following Christ means we let him have access to the dirt. Now that's, how many agree? That's, people can nod and say it's okay. Now here's the other part of that that's a little harder to take. Here's the part that's a bit harder to take. You see, sometimes Jesus doesn't do the foot washing directly. He does it through a member of the body. So now, can I open my dirt to Jesus? Oh, yeah, well, I talked to him about the problems. All right then. So I'm not shifting in my life. Now can I go to a person in the body of Christ and expose my dirty feet and let them serve me and minister to me. That requires humility, accountability, openness. You won't let me wash your feet. I won't have a part in your life. You won't have a part with me. In other words, he's saying your portion of what God has intended for you to bring forth in terms of fruit and blessing will not happen as it would do if you let this happen. That's the first thing. Second thing, so will you open your life? <laughs> Let someone speak into your life. Would you? Are you accountable in any way? We've got. I've got relationships with people where they speak into me, where we can put anything on the table. We can talk about anything, and they can talk about anything to me. I've got that set in my life. It's the most wonderful thing to have happen. Most wonderful thing that happens. It's a safe place to be in, and I've welcomed them speaking in. You see, because what it does means they can wash my feet. They can say what I didn't see, or point out what I'm overlooking or don't want to face. See, it's not just about Jesus washing your feet. He washes through his people. So we need relationships, connections. If you're a solo Christian, you're running, and you're not connected to a group of people in a meaningful, 
relationship of building together, you probably are not having your feet washed. Okay, quiet. Okay, here's the last one then. Okay. <laughs> well then, so now the second, the first one he said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you're in trouble. Now what he says is, I've set you the example. I've set the pace. I am a foot washer. Those who follow me are foot washers. He said, now listen. He said, I'm the master. Is that right? Everyone say, Jesus the Lord? Okay. If the Lord can serve and wash feet, what excuse does the servant have not just to wash feet? That's what he's saying there. If the Lord of the house can wash feet, what excuse do we who, have, who serve him for not washing feet? None whatsoever. And then he puts it the second way. He said, the sent, the sent person is not greater than the one who sent them. So we are, first of all, servants of the Lord, and we are sent. We are sent into a body to serve and foot wash in the body. We are also sent into community to serve and foot wash in the community. And we're not greater than Jesus. Anyone knows, let me meet him. We'll point him the next senior leader. It'd be great. It'd be great. But it's not so. So what he's saying is simply is this. I've set the pace, what it looks like in my kingdom. And that is, you become a foot washer. Now let's just look at what that looks like. I'll finish with this and just ask you to think about this. Say, how are you serving? Now by, the, by foot washing, it means you actually become available through relationship, through interest, through commitment to connect into where something is dirty and messy, get involved with it, and serve to make it better. So that at one level could be just, do you have any people that you're connecting with about the issues of their life, which are messy and dirty and painful and grief, to actually engage them and encourage them and love them and help them? Oh, no, my problem, I'm not a counsellor. Oh, okay, all right. No foot washing, all right, okay. See? Have you moved on from serving? Now, many have moved on. Well, I've moved on now. Really? What have you moved to? See, you can't move on from serving when serving undergirds everything in the kingdom. Well, I've moved on into my ministry. Oh, really? What about ordinary serving and washing feet? Well, I've moved on. I, I, I'm in prayer now. Oh, really? Well, what about meeting people and serving and washing their feet? Oh, well, I've moved on. I've moved on. Well, well, what about the children that need someone to invest in them and to sow into their lives? Oh, I've moved on. That's not my thing. But what about the young people that need someone to help them and engage with them and listen to them and talk with them and find out what's going on in their life and help them through their bones? That's not my ministry. I've moved on. Oh. Well, well what about just greeting at the church and making people feel welcome? It's not my ministry. I've moved on. I'm into deeper things. Well, they're too deep for me, I'm afraid. Too deep, far too deep. You see, never do we ever lose the capacity to just wash the feet. You know, I make it a practice. I just go wash dishes, clean the toilet, because we never lose being a servant. If you lose or promote beyond that, you've lost what it takes to be where you are anyway. You're now in a position and a thing. One of the things that people have always found hard to fathom me out on some one issue they've had is that, that I can let go a position or role. I've been leader of a movement. People could not understand why I let go of the leadership of the movement. I said, well, simple. 
Jesus called me to serve, and now he's told me to do something different. It's quite simple. I picked it up and did it with all my passion. Now it's time to change, and I put it down again. It's quite simple. My life is not in the role. My life is in him. It's not so hard to do that. And, and then what about other things? Well, you can still help people and go clean up for them and fix them up or go around and help them with a meal or do something. See, none of us can move away from foot washing. If you have gone beyond foot washing, you are too far out there to be any use to anyone. And you, here's one thing we can absolutely declare. You are not a disciple of Jesus. To disciple, to be a disciple means an imitator and a copier of a teacher. And he's just put it out there real clearly. He gets busy in people's lives where it's messy, dirty, not pleasant. It's difficult. There's hardship, heartache, all kinds of messes. And he engages them and serves them. What a challenge for us. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Or did you slip and move on beyond foot washing? Maybe today we could just in our heart make a decision. I'm coming back to foot washing. And this is why you need Jesus to wash your feet. Because we do get attitudes. We do get uppity. We do get, oh, we do get disappointed. We do get tired. We do get all these things come in. And then we just stop washing feet. That's why if you don't keep coming to him and let him wash you, you don't have what it takes to wash the feet of others. You think, well, I don't deserve it anyway. I'm not going to do that. See, rather than saying, oh, I've just come out of the presence of an almighty loving God and he touched me. Oh, that thing, he gave grace and love to me. I have got to overflow to someone. And here's the thing. I'll finish with this one. If you can't do it in the church you're a part of, I don't think it's going to happen anywhere. Because here's the deal. We've all got grand ideas, but at the end it's the person next to you like this one and this one here. Well, I'm not going to wash his feet. No, no. <laughs> you see, immediately I've missed the point. It's actually the people around us here. It's our children. It's our single parents. It's our widows. It's our older people. It's out there in the creche. It's out there in the cover. It's just very, very simple. But all of us need to say, I'll be a foot washer, and I can take my gift and use it to bless someone. What about your ministry? Here's the thing. Whatever ministry you have, if you haven't got foot washing in your heart, it'll never succeed greatly. It can't. It's missing the empowerment of the servant heart. Amen. Father, we just honor you. Thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for all you're doing in our lives. And we just ask, Lord, that you help us to come back to the place of firstly letting you wash our feet. Just while our eyes are closed and heads are bowed, Maybe someone here who doesn't know Jesus, this would be a great day to open your life, to let him into the mess that's in there and to allow him to bring forgiveness and cleansing. Maybe you're here today and it's been a long time since you let Jesus wash your feet or let anyone talk into your life. In fact, you've got all this stuff going on in your life. You haven't talked to anyone about it. It hasn't changed. So you think that you're bringing it to the Lord and praying about it is going to change it. If you've been doing it for years and it hasn't changed, I don't think so. I think you need to talk to someone else who you can trust and say, I've got something in my life I need to bring out to the open and I'd like you to pray for me and stand with me and believe with me and help me. And you know, I would pray that there'd be many people would say, well, I'd count it a privilege to walk with you and wash your feet. Maybe there's some today who need to just come back to the place and out of that place of pride and say, God, I've just lost the foot washing out of my life. Lord, restore it again. Maybe for some of us here today, God's spoken to you about serving, about in some way washing the feet of the saints, ministering to people, using your home, using your gifts, using whatever you have 
find a way that you can engage in the work of serving God's people. That's where it starts. By this shall all men know you're my disciples, your love for one another. Father, let your spirit just rest on us. We thank you for each person here. And my last question to you is this. What did you feel impressed you today that you felt the Holy Ghost was speaking to you? What will you do about it? I'd like you just to pray with someone next to you and just share what God was speaking to you and just pray with them as they share with you what God was speaking to them. Let's pray and agree together that God would help us to become outstanding at foot washing.